Welcome to Rhea Radio, episode number 14, with Faye. <laughs> you know, and I was talking to my sister about it, like, I'm like, once you get outside, because they're from Newman Grove, you know, teeny tiny town, everybody's very closed-minded, very simple-minded, you know, I'm like, you need to come with me to these conferences. I know you're not in real estate, whether you want to get into it or not, just come with me to these conferences, because it's so life-changing. It is so amazing, and it, you realize how big the world is so much more than where you're at. And like some of the, there's so many, like when you come back, you realize how petty something, some things are. And you're like, really? You're stressed about that? You know, like life is so much bigger than what even Omaha is, you know? And I, and I've said, like, I feel like I'm even, I want to, I want to be bigger than Columbus. I want to be bigger than Omaha. I want to be bigger than Nebraska. And, um, so it's just interesting. I love the energy that comes from those conferences. You're listening to Rio Radio. The nationally trusted name in real estate investing. We dig deep to discover investors' why in real estate. If you want to skip all the BS and get in investors' heads, you're in the right spot. Be one of the thousands to check out RioRadio.com. Owen, buddy, welcome back, man. I'm glad you made it this morning. Great to be here uh, this morning. Yes, two two in the afternoon. Ted. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had a rough night last night. Hey, I, I. What are you talking about? Well, you know, we went to the Omaha Real Estate Meetup, saw some Van Deeb action. <clears throat> that was. He's a great speaker, man. That uh, that was. I had never seen him in person because I didn't. I wasn't. I think I was out of town for the Ria event when you had him in. But uh, yeah, great. That was a great presentation. He, I thought he did a great job. Yeah, and uh, and then we had plenty of fun afterwards too. Yes, we did. It was a good time. And we ended with uh, some cigars, which I always prefer to have. I abstained. I'm glad I did too. Good decision last night, Owen. Yeah, you make you always make smart decisions. I noticed. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> and we met some good people there too. I mean, we met some potential future podcasters. That's right, and there were a lot of new people uh, there. I think Van Deeb has his own fan club, so that always helps. Yeah, I think he currently holds the record for the Omaha Ria best attendance event so far. Oh, no kidding! Yeah, so he. I think we had 127 people, if I remember. I had to check the records, but 127 people when he. Uh, was our speaker and he did an amazing job pretty impressive and he did have a fan club but he self-promotes heavily yeah i noticed that so you know he when he's coming up to something and i didn't um really follow too much on this one but i know when he when he's coming to ria that we we met up at his house we did live a live facebook broadcast with baxter his dog you know we talked about we talked about um his books and then he, like he like newslettered out that he was coming on like multiple times so he's almost in the class of Ted Koch for self promotion and uh oh, yeah, promotion. I think he's definitely above me on that area. I mean he's he's his success is hey, you're on the above way. and beyond. Above and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. We started what's now Nebraska Realty. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So it was Deeb Realty for years and years, and then uh, I think it was what, six, and, eight years ago it it transitioned over to Nebraska Realty when he sold it. Yeah, through Andy Alloway. And I did and I always thought Andy Alloway just purchased it. I didn't realize that he actually worked himself up from being the the secretary of and then all the way up to a management lead to then taking over the whole entire brokerage. I believe the term is administrative assistant now, Ted. Well, it's not nineteen sixty. Well Van addressed him as the the secretary at the time. <laughs> I don't I mean, come on, man. I, I, I can only I can only state how it was stated to me. No, that is a really, really cool story. I did not know that either. And so yeah, he started basically at a lower level position, worked his way up to a managerial role and then wanted to spread his wings, go out and and buy his own brokerage. And then uh Van was like, hey that day wasn't it the same day? Isn't that what he said? 
He's like, well, why don't you just buy this? And yeah. I'll, don't go to the bank. I'll finance everything. I mean, how cool is that? And then he said he cleared his office out within seven days. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then it's like, yep, here's the brokerage. Here you go. Yeah. That's, and he did, what, what did he say? He retired for like 30 minutes and then he was on doing something else. He probably got bored. Yeah. And then he said he, um, he said he just opened up for a speaking event for Aaron Brockovich. Is that yeah, what he said? That's cool. Last week? Yeah. That's crazy. Because like, his speaking gigs are getting to that point. We definitely could get him on the podcast pretty simple. I mean, I, I know he'd be jumping all over it. Yeah, let's do it. So I think we're booked up all through January now. So we'll have to start looking at some dates. We got we got a lot of heavy hitters lined up. It's going to be exciting. We even had to do some calendar changes because we had heavy hitters coming in town. And we we're like, they're hey, flying in. Everybody wants to be on the podcast. Ted. I know. And I, I had a, we had a, we had somebody flying from Colorado that we're going to be recording on the fly tomorrow. We had a. Gently ask one of our personal friends to to re um, rebook for a January date. So I mean, we know we're a big deal when we got to move our schedules around. <laughs> yeah, no, that'll be fun. I'm excited for uh, for the one we're recording tomorrow too. So and we're gonna be a week ahead. I know we're that be, is that's also that's exciting. Be nice. So Just what, excitement everywhere. It's Rhea so, radio. So much stuff, man. Then how about the excitement coming to the office today? <laughs> yeah, very very exciting here too. Yeah, like uh, not the fact that the the wood floors and everything are. Fresh finally like gonna be like done this weekend and the place is gonna be like literally like two weeks out from being like done done but i feel like i've been hearing the uh two weeks out uh for the last three months shush (laughs) and but now we come in here and you and denless have this amazing surprise and you guys have sound deadening you have mounted tvs on the walls we have headphones on our heads like before we just trusted our our pitch of our voice knowing it was going to be perfect every time (laughs) <laughs> yes right that's exactly how it goes and now now we know that we according to Dunless, we weren't perfect but well here we are perfection hey so any good meetings uh anything that uh interesting people you've met with this week oh this is actually kind of funny it's kind of bizarre so uh as you know galaxy title was recently opened uh about a month and a half ago mm-hmm. uh in september and I have, I'm a part owner of that, not a big part, but a part owner. And there are, I don't even know how many owners. There's probably like a dozen. And I had not met several of them. So like we're literally, we opened a business and we're buying a commercial space where the title company is going all together. And I've, I've never met like, like three or four of them. So we had a Galaxy title lunch uh, to kind of go over numbers, how things are going, upcoming staffing needs, updates on the the build out for the commercial space and all that. But I just think that's, I mean, if you ever gone into business with somebody you've never met for like two months. I have a hard enough time doing a partnership with one person, let alone a bunch of people I've never met. But a title company is pretty safe. Yeah. Well, and I, here's what I like about it. Like, I don't really have to do anything. We yeah. just keep doing closings and we just move the closings over to our title company. So pretty slick. I mean, title companies are safe. And then, I mean, ideally you want more partners in that because you want all players that are involved because they're going to bring more revenue to it. So, exactly. Yeah. So it's one of those few businesses I say, that you do want a whole bunch of partners in it. Yeah, exactly right. So, so, and then now you just made an announcement that you guys are servicing Iowa, you said, right? Yeah, I, I just found that out as well. So it's big news this week. Yeah, man. My partners find out, find out we can do them in Iowa. That is actually really cool, though, because we've been doing a bunch of closings on Council Bluffs properties, and we haven't been able to use Galaxy because uh, I didn't think we could do it in Iowa. But now we can. Okay, so let me understand this. Now you so now you own Red Ladder Group. I mean, with partners, of course, but Red Ladder Group, Liquid Lending, yep. uh, the Galaxy Title. Yep. 
What else? Uh, Odd Properties LLC, Cordez Partners LLC, a bunch of LLCs. And those are all just for your properties? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Properties and partnerships. So, you know, it's slowly becoming a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how smart it is to have a million different LLCs because it's hard to keep track of everything. Yeah. But. It's a tax nightmare, huh? Yeah. I, I don't have a million. I have like four or five and it's, and it's still a pain in my yeah. ear. Hey, uh, I thought this, I was reading this news article and I, I kind of thought about you because you have a very large portfolio. And do you have, what's your oldest structured house or building that you have? In- yeah, I think mine would be around 1910, okay. I believe. So a little over 100 years old, 110 years old. And is, I'm, okay, so that's a red brick foundation. Yes. And have you dealt with like tuck pointing or maintenance issues? I am with that? right in the middle of uh, dealing with that. And it's going to be a big, big project. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I uh, so my oldest house, my old or my newest rental out of all my properties is uh, nineteen hundred. Besides my personal house, <laughs> so I have an eighteen eighty five, a oh wow, an eighteen ninety seven, and then the one you're sitting in is nineteen hundred. <laughs> they don't make them like this anymore. They don't. I mean, but that's my point here. So there's this article on there, and they talked about the old, the twenty oldest apartment buildings in the in the country. And I think the oldest one I, I was 170 something years old. Yeah, and they said out of the top 20, they've all gone through massive renovations and they're all fully rented. And that one was like 70 units or something. 71, yeah. What surprised me the most about that was because when when you first mentioned that and we were talking about uh, old old properties like that, I in my head I was picturing okay, they've all got to be in the Northeast, right? When you know the U.S. was originally settled, and that one was in Ohio, mm-hmm. which that's really weird to me 170 years old i don't know i guess i need to brush up on my history but i didn't think ohio was uh much was happening there for a 70 unit apartment yeah it said it was built during the civil war yeah and i think the article said it was built specifically to house the people that are in the war but you know they're going through they're going through the renovations they're they're thick foundations uh you know being a foundation guy one thing I, i can always tell you is that if you the houses that are having all these foundation issues is going to lead back into this uh, are being built in the old farmland areas, and those uh, and those hills and valleys have been all filled in, right? So you have a lot of backfill soil in those areas. So houses are sinking in in all that soil. Well, these original properties are built; they're cut into virgin land, and so there isn't all that farmed backfill soil. So a lot of times, you know, in the fact that we're here in Omaha, in this older part of the city, you don't see these houses sinking in the ground. You see. Um, if the ma- you see fa- maintenance issues with the foundations, like a red brick foundation that should be continuously tuck pointed so it doesn't sandwich down, right? Mm-hmm. So as long as you maintain those old those old houses and stuff, the dirt it's on is amazing. In a lot of cases, not always, but in a lot of cases. So in this situation, these older houses actually, you know, if they're maintained, they can last forever. Where these new ones are just made with sticks and paper, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> there's so you have stuff built in the '80s, and it's like not good quality. A lot of times, they just kind of threw them together. Um, you know, some of the starter homes from uh, back when uh, was it Celebrity and Benchmark, mm-hmm. and they were kind of cranking those out, and the quality wasn't all that great. I think they've improved quite a bit since then. They have, yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting too when they when 3D printing of uh, housing starts taking place more in the U.S. to uh, to see how like what the longevity of uh, that those building materials are. I don't even know what they're made out of. Did Polymer, you, resin. Did you see that they're uh, building a whole neighborhood in Texas uh, with the 3D printing? No. Yeah, I, I read something on that. I'll try to find an article and share. Yeah, it and I would I would really like to know what that costs. Like, does that 
have any effect on like building material, uh, like purchases or, or like, you know, are you saving a lot of money on, on the exterior stuff? I, you know, I'd like to know that. Yeah. I'll, I'll look for that article. I'll send it with you. Cause you know, it's definitely going to save on labor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a, that's the hardest thing right now, right? Well, it, yeah. And that'll be, it'll be interesting too, to see how that affects, uh, the job market for construction, right? If 3d printing, cause I know they're doing that a lot in China, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they're building a lot of those skyscrapers and so forth with 3d printers. Really? Yep. I did not know about the skyscrapers with 3d printing. Yeah. That's crazy. You can probably go a lot higher cause, uh, cause, uh, you can, you don't need to worry about scaffolding. They're not and, scared of heights. Yeah, three D printers. You just put a thing in the middle, and it just keeps on going, and yeah. it doesn't need air when it gets so high. <laughs> oh man, that's gonna be the. It's gonna go way higher now. Watch, probably. Yeah, yeah. new records. Interesting. Well, oh, and with that, let's get into today's golden, golden nugget. nugget. Today's golden nugget. This is something I tried recently. So, uh, in rental properties, a lot of times you'll have washer and dryer hookups, right? So if you have a single family home, especially you'll have a a washer and dryer hookups. And if you advertise that you'll have tenants or potential tenants ask our washer and dryer included. And so recently I started messing around with, okay, I will make the option of including that in exchange for $40 extra a month in rent. So you buy, and I've had two people recently take that right? So think about it. You buy a washer and dryer set. You could get them for, let's say a thousand bucks just for round numbers. If you charge 40 bucks a month, you can make what? $480 a year. So in two years, you're going to pay off that washer and dryer. So it's just a little trick that you might want to try next time. If you have a single family home, especially throw that out there on the advertising and say, you know, washer and dryer included for an additional $40 in rent. You might actually get it. And you'll have a what fifty percent ROI on your on your spend on the equipment. What's your lifespan? That ten years on a washer and dryer? Probably. I mean, they're probably a little harder on it than an owner occupant would be. But even if it only lasts five years, you still got your money back, no problem. I'm reading that uh, that commercial um, the Brandon Turner's on small multifamily, mm-hmm. and they said on commercial grade coin laundry that the average lifespan is 10 years on on one of those yeah the, and they don't make them like they used to uh, again anymore but i've had some that were uh like the i think they're maytag maybe or speed queen the older like really really heavy duty ones those things last forever you just can replace a couple of components and they'll just they'll outlast the building a lot of times do you think there'd be a value of of getting you know used ones or do you think that new ones are always the best way to go I like new ones because you just don't know how hard uh, people were on the equipment before. So especially like dishwashers, like I would never get a used dishwasher. There's too much that can go wrong with them and they're not that expensive anyway. But yeah, washer and dryer, I would always get new. Yeah, I was just going to hit you up. I just bought a a storage unit of uh, used furniture and there's a couple dishwashers in there. And I was like, man, no one could probably use this. I probably could. I, but you know what? I probably <laughs> need to look at my own storage and figure out what exactly I have because there's a whole mess in there that I have no idea. Well, I have tons of storage space in Valley, Nebraska that I'm about to give up. And one of them is big enough to fit a school bus in it. Wow. So if you if you need to upgrade. I think you need to implement the Ted Kosh party bus and just park a bus in there. You know, I used to have a, a limo <laughs> I know, bus company. I know right? that. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> Bring it back. Oh, man. I don't need that in my life anymore. <laughs> well, how about we get into today's speaker, presenter, Guest. entrepreneur, mother. W- the woman does it all. Realtor. Yeah. So Shay Spitz, uh, her and her husband, Adam Spitz, are local flippers. 
uh, renovation team. They're like they're they're ready to go on uh, on what's that TV show? HGTV. They're ready. They're HGTV ready. <laughs> uh, Shay has three children. We have, she has uh, Riley, Kason, and Braylon. So there's definitely some life balancing happening there. We'll have to dig into. She is a super successful realtor, um, which we definitely need to dig into. There's some little nuggets in there you probably don't know. Uh, she's just now de- getting into the short-term rental market, and she is doing. Um, just got her first multifamily. She has currently two flips going on. She's renovating a church. <laughs> so, uh, and then she she's a previous Columbus uh, sports star. Like she had multiple numbers. Uh, 14, 28. I mean, she, she was a basketball guru, I guess. No, we'll find out about that. <laughs> but without any further ado, Shay Spitz. Hello. Hello there. Welcome to the show. Glad thank, to have you. Thank you very much. What do you think about the introduction? <laughs> I like the first one. You got to go with it. <laughs> we, uh, he, we here at Rear Radio, we like to, you know, test out different types of sound. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we like to go with the. The very low and slow sound, and sometimes we like to, like to be loud and energetic. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we, you never know what you're going to get here. <laughs> kind of like a box of chocolates, you know. <laughs> well, can you get us into a little bit of your experience prior to getting investing? Like, give us a little bit of background of you and your family and what you were doing before you just said this is what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. So I actually got started, well, um, so I'm from a small town. It's called Newman Grove, so not Columbus. I'm not originally from Columbus. A uh, town of 600 people. Uh, had a class of 25, played all sports, you know, track, made a state in track with hurdles and stuff, uh, basketball, volleyball. I was a sports fanatic. Sports I, star. We'll go with that. Yep, yep. Your, your name's on the, on the board at school. <laughs> yeah, it is a couple places, so we're good there. I got a couple – Highest points for basketball and track records and stuff. But no, so sports is a big thing for me. And then I ended up going off to college for human service counseling because I've always been the person that people come to for advice, um, empathy, support, anything and everything. So I figured what better way than to give back through human service counseling. And um, so I went to school for human service counseling. Actually, I went to school for nursing. And I did that for a year, tried to give take blood and realized that I didn't like blood. So... (laughs) Bailed out on that after a year. And then I went into human service counseling where I was going to get my, like, to be a counselor and stuff. Well, I stopped to, as a case manager, did that for about six years for mentally ill adults um, in the Norfolk area. That was quite life changing. Um, <laughs> my turning point and the point that I gave up on that was. I had to do a welfare check on one of my very favorite clients and uh, she was dead on her floor and I was kind of done after that. Like I, you know, you put so much like at, for some of your clients and consumers, they are, you're their life. So um, it was a lot of pressure, um, very rewarding, but also almost way too much stress. So my husband one morning decided he called me and he's like, Hey Shay, you know, I heard this investment uh, opportunity in North or in Omaha that we should go to. It's a free two, three hour event. Um, so we attended that and then that led into a three day event and then it led on to even further. So then we kind of started investing and it was, it's not easy. You know, I always tell people that it's, you, you can educate yourself all you want, but until you take those actions and until you take that risk, you're never going to fully know what to do and you learn by your mistakes. So that's kind of my background prior to getting into investing. 
How long ago was it that you bought your first investment property? Uh, it was 2016, so about five years ago. Uh, I was actually eight and a half months pregnant when I when we decided to, I guess, buy into this investment group company um, with our second child. You know, I was working a job where I didn't make very much money. My husband had a pretty good job with the health insurance, but we had one kid and then our second on the way, and it was. I remember that first year of real estate investing, I probably could have thrown up every day, just the stress and anxiety and <laughs> not knowing, because we don't come from a background of any sort of investing. Like our parents owned their own primary homes, fortunately, you know, but when it came to like investing or rentals or flips or anything like that, n- nothing. My dad, who's a farmer, didn't want me doing it because he said it was too risky. He's a farmer. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's riskier than that, but so <laughs> literally nothing. So, um, yeah, that was about five years ago and I don't regret a single moment of it. It has brought me to where I am professionally, but also personally. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing we can work on is is ourselves. Do you remember what the, which investment group was it? Fortune builders. Okay. So Mm -hmm. it was Than Merrill, Paul Sajian. Yeah. So I've met Paul or, um, well, Paul too, but Than as well, a couple different times. Uh, we're still part of that program. We still go to their events. We were just down at one of their events this year in Dallas. Uh, it was with, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank, but he, I'm drawing a blank, but, uh, very intelligent, does a lot of stocks and stuff like that. And that's what his, he, he's a partnership with Than. So we met Than again here this last year. So it's just kind of interesting. And you can attend once you, once you, uh, buy into or purchase their mastery program, you're in it basically for life. You're part of their Facebook website or Facebook, um, mastery page. You're part of, you have all of access to all of their systems, their tools, and then you can attend all of their events for free. Obviously you pay for your own uh, flight and stay. But, um, so we do that on a regular basis uh, of the original. He was one of the OG, or I say he, the, the fortune builders guys were one of the OG flip this house, uh, mm-hmm. crews. Yes. And they were a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I, I, of all of them, they were probably my favorite. Yeah. I just like, I felt like they were kind of genuine and they were funny and CS homes. No CT homes. CT homes. Yep. There you go. Yep. Yeah. CT homes. Yep. Yeah. So it's been very interesting hearing their story, than story. Um, and it's been, amazing getting to meet them. I can't say get to know them, but I've talked to them pictures and stuff like that. Just a really fun atmosphere. Kind of like when we were down at uh, bigger pockets <laughs> represent. Um, it's just that kind of atmosphere is fun. Oh, and we wore the shirt today just cause he's so excited that Shay came in. Cause we <laughs> yeah, all, we were yeah. all at BPCon we 2021 together. I, I didn't get the memo that this wasn't happening. So I didn't get the memo. <laughs> it was no one representing. Right. Yeah. Uh, now question for you. Mm-hmm. So Adam had the idea and he mm-hmm. brought it to you and said, Hey, we should look at this. Yeah. Did he go with you? Was that like, we're going to do this together or he had an idea for you? Well, well, so he had the idea. He's, He's really good with the ideas. I'm good with the actual taking action and following through. So as soon as he said that, literally that day, I'm like, okay, sure. Sounds good. So I actually started contacting realtors in the Norfolk area. I started contacting lenders. And actually, the very first lender I met with still helps with our um, projects to this day. Oh, no kidding. Very, cool. he's, He trusts me. Like I can just say, hey, you know what? This is what we're looking for. Um, most of them, especially when we go with him, it's going to be a quick turnaround. So he, you know, it's not too extensive. He's super easy to work with. Um, yeah. So he was one of the very first lenders that I spoke with. And I'm sure at the time he thought that we were just some young, naive kids who wanted to get rich quick. But, but, but you um, were, you were at the time. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing at all, but he 
he had faith in us and um I don't know how we didn't lose our butts on our first flip, but we didn't. So it was somewhat of a success and we learned a lot from it and um we've definitely continued to grow from there. Looking back, would you if if you were going to give advice to a new investor, do you think it was a good idea to go to that type of a, a seminar and then a boot camp and then like it seems like they do a lot of upselling there, right? They do. They do. And I think a lot of people, you know, it's kind of funny because I have a lot of people reach out to me and you know, they're like, Well, I think this is a scam and whatnot. Now I don't regret a minute of it. Uh, my story, I'm sure people would call me crazy. We never told anybody how much we actually paid for it, nor do I necessarily want to, but... Um, oh, now you have to tell us. <laughs> Everybody wants to know, Shay. Oh my gosh, you guys, you guys, I can't even... Art this. I was I was actually typing this out a couple days ago because I'm doing the Miracle Morning, so I started like thinking about my story. Oh my gosh, it just sounds so crazy when I was typing it out. Um, so I'm eight and a half months pregnant. We're at the third day of the seminar. I left early. No, we're at the second day. I left a little early and I told my husband, we are not paying into this. Cause I mean, they were, it's expensive. You knew like, it was coming, right? Yeah. They had already gone over like the, the pricing and stuff like that. But I was like, we are not doing this. Like I am eight and a half months pregnant with our second child. I don't make, can we say shit? I don't make anything on at my other job. Like we don't have the money. Okay. So anyway, I went back to our friend's house or our family's house. Cause again, we didn't have much money to even pay for a hotel. So I went back to our friend's house because I was really uncomfortable sitting there all day. And he calls me, he's like, Shay, I think we really need to do this. Um, I'm like, Adam, how are we going to pay? Okay. $25,000. <gasps> yeah. But anyway, so I was like, well, how the hell are we going to pay for $25,000 by tomorrow? We don't, we don't have the money. <laughs> it gets crazier. Oh my God. I, I think I know where this is going. Credit cards. Yes. Yeah. We they, took, they told you yes. how to increase your limit, yes. right? Yes. So how to increase the limit in addition to taking out other credit cards, which three of them, no, we, we ended up getting, taking out three of them, increase the limits and it was 0% financing for 18 months. So I was like, okay, all right, whatever. So, oh my gosh, he convinced me and um, we did it. Oh, it sounds so stupid. But again, like I said, I don't regret a minute of it. So a lot of people will say, yeah, they are scams and they could feel that way if you don't utilize and take advantage of the things that they offer because they give you all the systems and the tools, but it's up to you to actually take those risks and take it to the next level because most people like they just think that, oh, if I spend this much money, I'll get that in return. But it, unless you're going to be do, taking the action and actually putting forth the work, you're not going to. That is going to be a waste of money. And I have seen a lot of people on that Facebook page that, oh, I, I you know, this page has, or this uh, program has ruined my life. We went through bankruptcy and blah, 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 blah. They make up every excuse to make it somebody else's fault. But in, in reality, like, I don't know if it was Grant Cardone or Jim Rohn says the moment you take full responsibility for everything, every action that happens in your life is the moment that you take control of your life. So that has like really stuck with me. And I have really tried to live by that. How long after you went through the seminar and, and the boot camps and all that fun mm -hmm. stuff, how, how much time passed from the end of that to your first deal? So actually, so that was in October of 2016. And then um, we actually, so it was just right down the road. We lived in a very small town. I, I get a lot of crap from some of the um, investors with fortune builders because the, the cities that they invest in is minimum 50,000 plus. Okay. Well, this is a town of 600. We lived in Humphrey, Nebraska. Okay. 600 people. 
So I got so much crap from a lot of people in, um, like with fortune builders, LaDonna, she's down in, she lives in uh, Naples, Florida. And I talked to her on a regular basis. She's so cool. But she, uh, she's like, so have you bought the rest of the town yet? Like, have you flipped the rest of the town? It's so funny. But anyway, um, so th- what I noticed is that there was this, always this big historical home. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was really cool, but it needed a lot of work. Well, I noticed that one day during the winter, there was no tracks going in and out. And I drove by that house almost on a daily basis. So I was like, all right, I'm going to send a letter. I jumped on the assessor's website, sent them a letter, said, hey, we're interested in purchasing your property. Um, that was on a Friday. They called me, or that was on a Thursday. They called me by Saturday. We looked at it on Monday and had it under contract by Tuesday. So it happened so quickly. And, um, so your, your direct mail campaign consisted of one letter, (laughs) one letter, (laughs) one one response, one deal, hundred percent off return. Yeah. Batting a thousand. Yes. Hey, take that fortune builders. (laughs) But they, they gave, they gave us the idea to do that. You know, they're like, you know, it's, it's driving for dollars or whatever it is. So I was like, all right, let's do that. And I did send other, other letters, but this was, yeah, they responded right away. Offer them. That's unbelievable. <laughs> the very first letter you sent, well, you get no, a deal nobody's, out of it. Was, nobody's sending letters no, in those not areas. Humphrey. Yeah. No. It's not like Omaha where you get where you check your mail and you're like, oh, how many letters did I get this right. week from Owen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So well, and she said that they had been approached many times before, but whoever wanted to buy it wanted to tear it down. Well, this used to be the old uh, maternity hospital. Well, after we took ownership of it, I found out that my grandpa actually was born there. It was the craziest no thing. Way. Not, no joke. No joke. So we're renovating. Small town living. <laughs> you, yeah. Oh, my goodness. If only you knew. Um, but anyway, so we're renovating this bathroom. And literally, like when I'm, when I'm saying, like, we're renovating, we are renovating, we're doing the demo. Like, that's my biggest takeaway is I'm not going to do any work in a property ever again because it was a nightmare. Like, anything I do, people aren't going to buy anyway because it's going to be crap. And uh, I can do demo, but I'm not going to do that anymore. But we did on the first one. But anyway, so I'm demoing this wall and it had like this little tray thing, you know, in the wall between the toilet and the sink. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, what is this? And uh, it was like one of those tray urine dispense, you know, where you'd go pee and then you'd stick your, and they had blocked it off over time. But it, so then I started asking questions like, what was this place? And I was like, oh no, that used to be the old maternity hospital. I'm like, what? So yeah, so there's like this little tray thing in the wall. I mean, that got taken out, but it was just a very interesting, very interesting, unique. I just got a great business idea. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you you get houses that need to have full demo and you, you create a smash room type of feel, but you invite people to come in to dem- demo your, your house. You provide the, the sledgehammers and the, and the bats and you say, okay, so for X amount of dollars, you can go in here and destroy anything you want. <laughs> take out your aggressions. That's brilliant, actually, because people need to take out their frustrations. So there yeah. you go. And it's just a one-time thing. It's, it's a pop-up. <laughs> a pop-up. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Smash room. <laughs> You're like, never know no, where it's going to be. And they're like, hey, I just bought a house in yeah. North Omaha. Let's Ever watch uh, Jersey Shore? <laughs> smash, out, smash room? Let's, no, can't call it that. <laughs> Jim Tan Laundry? That's all I know from there. GTL. Um, That's Owen's life. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) So, yeah, that's kind of my story with that property. It took a lot longer to renovate. Tell us, uh, okay, how did the flip go? So it was your first first purchase. Uh uh Tell us about it. Um, it was a little bit of a nightmare, especially if you ask my husband. He's he's an electrician, so that really helped. But, um, old houses, the plaster, it, we did a lot of the demo. We did have a, hire a contractor to do, you know, the majority of the, you know, taking down the walls and, 
redo the front porch. And so they did the bigger things, but my mom and my dad were so extremely supportive. They were over there all the time helping. Um, they roofed the garage cause my dad farmer, they do a little bit of everything. You know? I'm not so, paying somebody <laughs> to do this. <laughs> Basically that's exactly what it is. But my mom was always over there painting. Um, I, I'd, I'd come back from work cause I was working full time as well. Plus kids and, and she didn't want me painting cause I, I just had a baby, I guess. So, but anyway, so she was over there painting and she lots of lead in the paint. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what it is. <laughs> Don't so. eat those chips. <laughs> Don't be chewing on the windowsill, Shay. Come on. So, uh, no, she, I mean, a huge shout out to my parents for the support and, um, helping out so much because without them ugh. and anyway, so we had held on to that property way longer than we wanted to. Um, and we were able to make a profit on it as crazy as that sounds, and I mean, it's, it was definitely a very good first experience because we learned, you know, how to kind of structure it, like scope of work, um, and then what not to do such as like any of the rehab. So <laughs> that's kind of our takeaway, but no, I mean, it, it was a rocky one just as I'm sure anybody's first flip is, uh, you learn probably more in your first one than you do almost on any other one when you're starting out. So I don't regret it. It was stressful. Like I said, I remember I could have thrown up every single day for that first year. Well, let's save let's save a little bit of story for the failing forward then. Okay. Is this a good failing yeah. forward? Oh, absolutely. Okay, let's save a little, let's move on from this and then come back to this on the failing forward segment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So wrapped up your first flip. Mm -hmm. It was it, it was enough to get you hooked, right? Yes. Made a little bit of money. That's great. Yep. Uh tell us what happened next. So then we kind of went back to the fortune builders like um curriculum. So they have like a whole curriculum that you're supposed to be following. I mean, you could spend months going through everything that they have to offer. So we're like, okay, let's revisit this. Maybe get a little bit more structure, kind of figure out a little bit more of a game plan. They go over like marketing. And that's one thing that honestly, to this day, I haven't done a ton of is like marketing for our flipping business because then I got my real estate license and what <laughs> were, you, were you like, all right, honey, let's get this marketing dialed in. We're going to send out three letters this time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're going to 10 X this next time. Send out 10 of them. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. And consistency is key when it comes to marketing stuff. But I don't know. Um, from there, honestly, I think I think somebody told me about this for sale by owner that's been for sale for a long time. It was actually in Columbus and that nobody was able to purchase it because he wanted like an outrageous amount of money and it needs some work. Well, I was able to finally get a hold of him. I connected with him. He must have liked me enough to accept my offer. So that was our second property. So again, I didn't market for it again. And uh, so I don't know. It was just kind of it's it started it's starting to become more of like word of mouth and then i use those funds to kind of purchase our multifamilies or and stuff like that i mean so that's kind of where it went off what was your day job during this time frame i was a case manager for mental ill adults so okay. i was working in norfolk full time while trying to manage a group of men <laughs> i'm sorry really like i would get the contractors calling me like shay i'm not going to be working over there cuz so and so's there i'm like holy moly i don't care like, I don't care who you like and who you don't like. You're going to be getting it done because we're in a time frame. Like, I don't care. So um, I'm more of like the assertive one uh, between my husband and I. You know, he just kind of, you know, if I tell him like, hey, you need to do the electrical over here, he's just going to go do it. But if I'm like, hey, you need to tell these people, like, let's get on it. He's like, oh, uh, uh, I don't know. You know, so I think we make a good team that way <laughs> for the most part. But um, yeah, he had the idea and I ran with it. I sprinted with it. So, um, but yeah, so it's just been a little bit interesting. Of a I, 
if if my wife ran my projects, uh, things would get done such so much more efficiently. <laughs> <laughs> me, me too, for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, my my wife is a she's she's a good taskmaster. Um, like she makes lists and she checks things off. And no, see, I think if it was the opposite, we wouldn't get much done because he's so analytical, or we wouldn't get any properties purchased. I've purchased four properties without him knowing. Like I didn't even tell him we were purchasing it until it was under contract and close to closing because he's so analytical that by the time he, he put it, the numbers to the paper and thought about it, it'd be gone. I'm like, nope. Like I have a good feeling I'm going off my gut and let's, we're going to roll with it. You know, that's like this church that we're renovating. <laughs> we can get into that a little bit and why I kind of purchased it. So really I blame him for my purchase on that property, <laughs> but we can get into that a little more. So yeah. Tell us about the church. This you is know, interesting. Story yeah. So, okay. So here, oh, because so there's I mean, backstory. There's yeah. all the churches have closed in Columbus. You found this <laughs> amazing church and you're like, well, let's renovate it. I got a pastor I want to bring in and we're going to, and I'm going to create a cult. <laughs> That was the plan. Wow, that was, a, that was a left turn. <laughs> Wicked turn. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Didn't, no, didn't okay. no, uh-uh. no, okay. I was actually bored one day sitting at the office because when you're on floor, you have to be there like nine to six. And I just kind of got bored after a little while. And I was just sitting there thinking. And I, I swear, like the more quiet time I have, the that's when my thoughts come, you know, because I'm like, ooh, I need to do this and this and this and this. And that was thinking about 1031 exchange. And I was, I uh, had some properties to move around. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, well, there's that. You know, let's do an Airbnb because the Columbus is getting um, a new racetrack casino. They're doing a like $40 million expansion on the hospital. They're doing a $60 million expansion on the YMCA. We're getting a children's museum. We're getting a new library. We just put up a brand new police station, a brand new uh, fire station. So, I mean, we are expanding significantly just within the last year or in 2021, 2020 and 2021, we have grown, I want to say 12% just in the last year and a half. So Columbus is, is expanding substantially um, now how big how big is columbus what's the population so the census is going to be coming out probably beginning of next year but they're anticipating right around 28 maybe closer to thirty thousand people so it's still not i mean it's grown quite a bit because in 20 what was it 2010 i think they were right around twenty three thousand. so we've really grown over the past like year and a half two years even with covid so um columbus is ext- is expanding Significantly, we just recently annexed in a bunch of property or a bunch of land to the north. That was in 2019, maybe 2020. But um, so it is growing. So I thought to myself, what better way than to because Columbus doesn't really have any Airbnbs. There was like one Airbnb. Now there's a few more. Um, so I thought about this old church that had been sitting vacant for two years because the church had moved locations and it had been for sale for two years. Well, it sits on an acre and a half of land. And it's massive. It's like 1780 square feet on one level. Plus the upstairs has a loft. So it comes out to be like right around 2000, 2100 square feet. And it's just sitting there basically rotting away, very unappealing, unattractive, right in a really higher end um, neighborhood just on the, the backside of it. And so they were asking 200 when they first listed it. Then after a year, they dropped it down to 150. Then they dropped it down to 100. Well, we're looking at this property. I have my contractors in there. And my husband's like, Shay, no, we're not doing this. Like, this is not a good idea. It's going to be way too much work, too much stress, which I do agree. It's it's a lot of stress, but that's another story. Anyway, and I was upset and I was annoyed because I'm like, no, one, don't tell me what I can, I cannot do. <laughs> Two, um, you don't know what they would accept. 
three, we don't even know what the renovations are going to cost. So like without those numbers, how can you just throw this out the window? Well, then I got some numbers from the contractors and I was still annoyed with my husband. So I made an offer. This was actually back in, it was March 30th is when I made the offer because our offer was accepted on April 1st. April Fool's Day. So our offer was accepted. And um, I told my husband the next day, I'm like, hey, we got the church. He's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I made an offer and they accepted it. <laughs> and he's like, are you kidding me, Shay? I'm like, no, uh-uh. Yeah. He's like, well, how much? I'm like, well, for 65. He's like, oh, well, that's pretty good. I'm like, yeah, I know. Is that like, 200 he like, wait, is this an April Fool's yeah, joke? right? I know. <laughs> so um, yeah, we purchased that property and uh, it's going to be an Airbnb. Like I said, we closed on it back in May. Material is so far out. It's just crazy. But my idea and concept, I was, I've been interviewing uh, cleaning people to, for the Airbnb and for other multifamilies and stuff like that. But my idea and intentions is to, because I always had a lot of people asking me about um, places to rent for baby showers, bridal showers, especially when they have family coming from out of town, a place to stay for them to cook food. And really the only place that people were renting was the loft, which is an Airbnb, but it's also up like 15 flights of stairs. There's no elevator. So it's not very convenient for a lot of people. So that's kind of where my idea kind of stemmed from. And I think that's kind of the route I want to take it versus just specifically for Airbnb. I want it to be more of like a place that people can rent out for a day and come in and enjoy it. It's going to, I mean, it's going to be a very high end Airbnb quartz countertops. Um, the original, it's got all the original floors, all the original wood trim doors, everything. So it's going to be a brand new house basically. What, what will the renovations end up costing by the time you're done? Um, so the purchase price was 65,000, but again, it was an acre and a half. So I'm eventually going to my plan down the road. I don't have anything set in stone, but is to develop a little bit of an area and do townhomes. Cause just to the South of there are townhomes. So I'd like to put up some townhomes, but anyway, so the church, uh, the whole thing was 65,000. And then with furniture, we're looking at without the purchase would be probably about two forty without the purchase. So we'd be sitting, but it's in a $500,000 neighborhood, $550,000 neighborhood. So even if this whole Airbnb thing didn't work out, it's zoned single family. I can just resell it as a single family residence. Now, is this your, will this be your first Airbnb or do you have others? Nope. This is my first Airbnb. How do you, I'm curious and I've never done a short-term rental. So when you are, especially in a, in a town where there's not very many, mm-hmm. How do you know what to price it at? Do you just test it? You, I mean, are you like, okay, 500 bucks a night or at, where do you start? And well, so the way, the where I'm starting is kind of around the same one as the the, the other Airbnb that's locally or in Columbus. A um, little bit, that theirs is a little bit larger, but there's also upstairs. So I think mine has a little bit of a better appeal in that aspect, I guess you could say. And then mine is on the north side of town where theirs is downtown. So it kind of depends on the, your demographic, on what you're aiming for. Mine is going to be over by like the, the YMCA. And I've already made a lot of connections that I want to be able to provide discounts to, you know, for these people who are staying there to go down to the cork and barrel to get, you know, 50% off of drinks or talk to the YMCA about giving a discount for people who stay there for $5 a day rather than $10 a day, you know, so I'm already making the connections because I want to be able to offer that in this Airbnb. So it's more, it's going to be more than just an Airbnb. It's, it's a, it's like a destination place that people can come to draw more people into Columbus because we're getting that children's museum as well. So, you know, what better way than to offer discounted tickets for, you know, getting into the YMCA. You know, you should do, you should start your own real estate meetup group in Columbus. And then you can, you can hit all these businesses for discounts and then you can kind of come sit all together. And it's like one thing. Somebody has been talking to me about that for about a year now. 
It's yeah. starting to ring a bell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you're making all these great connections and you copy discounts to your members. I know. I know. Yeah, the, I know. This was making me think of, uh, have you ever, I don't know what the search functionality is, but on Airbnb, I think there's a way where you can like search for really unique vacation rentals and they have some that are like a tree house, uh, mm. a, like a... A, like a grain silo that they've mm-hmm. converted into uh, an Airbnb. Like, have you ever? Oh. You know what I mean. Like yeah. Maybe you can yes. list it on there, yeah. and you would get get some traction on there well, for advertising. So that's funny you say that because we have three three grain bins at our house, and we have literally talked about converting that. But it, at the same time, I don't want people coming onto my property, <laughs> coming to my house. But we have three grain bins like right next to each other, and like how cool. Which right now the the farmers rented out, but how cool would that be to make a little house out of them? That'd be awesome. I yeah, I think it'd be, be really awesome. cool. I, yeah. We're we actually kind of kicked that around as a family too, like just picking out a random, you know, really cool place to stay, just mm-hmm. that not you know, kind of off the beaten path or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. neat. Yeah. So the the big cross is still on the church. We, we're waiting for an arrow section. It's going to be vertical vertical siding. So I'm still waiting for that to get done. But I had somebody text me the other day, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so excited to see how you're going to incorporate that cross into the church." I'm like, "No." Or into the Airbnb. I'm like, no, that's coming down. Now, did you have any community pushback on that or oh. permitting problems? Or tell, maybe tell us a little bit about do that. I, do you want to? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So so it's already zoned single family, as crazy as that is. the, the ch- A church can be zoned single family. Um, they basically can do whatever they want, zone it whatever they want. So it's already zoned single family. Well, I was told and I was given the legislative, it was back in 2017, that the state of Nebraska passed um, a past that a an Airbnb can be in a single family residence no matter what neighborhood it's in. So I already was like, okay, that's fine. I can already do an Airbnb, but the property is so big, I was hoping to do two Airbnbs, one in the basement and then one on the main level. And um so that was kind of my my idea and my attorney was like, well, let's not be rezoning if we don't have to. Let's just move forward with, you know, I don't recommend that. He's my cousin, so he He's like my uh, small town. Oh, believe me, you, you would. Laugh He's also the mayor it. and uh, <laughs> the do- local doctor, veterinarian. <laughs> okay, well, it's not that small, but yes. So, um, but yeah, and Owens Town's like that, by the way. <laughs> Is <laughs> so, it? Yeah, my, I, I had twelve hundred people in my town. Okay, so you up. know, yeah. but this this one's in Columbus. He's my cousin. He's an attorney in Columbus. Oh, but okay. yes, that's how Neiman Grove is. <laughs> and there's a whole other story that. But anyway, <laughs> um, so. He told me not to. So I was like, nope, I get it. So I had to meet with the city about, because it's on its own well and septic. So that's kind of another issue that I'm kind of running into still. But anyway, so it's on its own well and septic. So I had to meet with the the city council to kind of figure out what I needed to do. Um, are they going to force me to do something? Whatever. But then one of the city council ladies or the, I don't remember what she is, but she told me that I cannot do an Airbnb single family residence, that I would have to get it rezoned to R3. And the guy who had sent me the legislative information, I'm like, Andy, you specifically told me that I can do an Airbnb because our purchase was contingent upon proper zoning. And I had already waived that contingency because I was like, nope, we can, we already have that, you know? And she's like, nope, you're not going to be able to, you have to rezone it to R2 or R3. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So we left the appointment and I'm like overwhelmed because we're already purchasing this property. And, uh, I contact, or I call my attorney. I'm like, Hey, let's get started. I apparently I can't. He's like, okay, you know, I'll start, I'll send out letters tomorrow. Cause it's a whole thing when you get to send out letters to the neighbors and what, if they're within so many feet from the, <laughs> the property. And, uh, I laughed because there was some gentleman who was like lived halfway across the town. And for some reason he thought he had an opinion in this whole situation. <laughs> He's like, well, I live on this street and I'm counting. And it was like, 20 blocks away. 
And he's like, I feel like I have some interest in this situation. We're like, no, you have none. I don't know why you're here. But anyway, um, so we did that. And then so he had already started with the letters the next day. And then I got an email from the from uh, the city administrator saying that, nope, I was wrong. You can do it as a single family residence for an Airbnb. I'm like, okay, great. Well, we already started the process. Let's just move forward. I will say I regret doing that because <laughs> I've had so much pushback. Um, so many city council meetings, so many, um, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I broke down in one of the meetings because there was probably about 30 people there against me and just tearing me apart. And, uh, they questioned my character, my dignity. I mean, anything and everything you could think of, they dug into this particular person dug into my LLCs, the changes in my LLCs when my LLCs were created. I mean, tear me down. Yeah. It was bad. And so just keep trucking along. And, uh, so now my situation is now I have to try to convince the neighbors who were so against me for me to be able to grant or me to them to grant me an easement to be able to bore underneath their under their yard, not through it, but under, cause I'll pay extra to bore underneath of it to connect to city sewer and water because the septic and well are, are not up to code. So Sounds fun. like a really fun project. No, but don't <laughs> let my husband know that he was right on the stressful part. <laughs> He'll know next week. He, he already knows. He already knows. I've spent a lot of money in attorney fees already. It's And then I had a, somebody else, you guys, it's a whole thing. I had somebody else try to come after me because they wanted to buy the property, but then I ended up buying it, even though I, I didn't know who this person was. And I, she sent me an attorney letter saying that I had 30 days to sell it to her for what I bought it for because she made an offer on it for full price. I'm like, I wasn't the seller. I wasn't the listing agent. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's another In story. this week's episode of Columbus Inquirer, Shay <laughs> <laughs> Spitz and yeah. her mysterious LLCs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, yeah, it's interesting, but I know it's going to be good and I know what I'm doing is a good thing. So if I truly felt, or if I truly thought that what I was doing was wrong, I would, you know, throw in the yellow, the white flag. The neighbor told me I should donate it, have it burnt down. I should turn it into a park. You don't burn down a church. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know. Yep. No. So it's been fun. It's been interesting, but that's all right. What doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Right. Wow. So I think we humped over some there. You've had some transitions in your work life since then, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're not still doing, uh, the counseling side of this, right? No, no. Yeah. So, so what are you doing now? And and when did you make that tr- transition? Um, in 2018 is actually when I got my license. I started taking my classes. Your real estate license? Real estate license. Yep. Sorry. Um, I started taking my classes right around the time that I told you that my friend, my favorite consumer had passed away. I started taking my classes. Um, I, I actually took them in class. It was in at Columbus CCC. And I, the way I met my broker was I actually went to, um, Mike or, uh, Mark Wainer's, um, exam prep class. Mm. And I had ran into Renee and Darlene. First time I met them, they, they recognized me. I connected with them. Um, and then I took my test in June passed and I gave my two week, actually I gave them a month notice because I couldn't just get rid of my consumers like that, but I gave them a month notice, uh, at work. And I said, I'm doing this hundred percent full force. And I'll never forget, it was July 9th. I went to my first day on the job as a realtor and I sat down. It was a little cubicle. We didn't have lead flow, lead generations, nothing like that, had nothing. It was prior to Renee being the broker. And uh, I remember sitting there in my cubicle and I literally thought to myself, now what? Like, I don't know what to do. I don't. I went from being in Norfolk to being in Columbus, a town, a city that I don't even know. So it has definitely 
real estate has really taught me to get really comfortable being uncomfortable. Just go for it. Who cares? And now you're at a brokerage, which I I think the stat, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but you're at Keller Williams Elite in Columbus, Nebraska, Mm -hmm. which has the greatest market share of any Keller Williams office worldwide. I believe so. Like, and what's your market share that you have there? Uh, so last year ours was right around eighty-two. This year it's right around seventy. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, some so com- it's gone down a little bit. Competition's yeah. coming yep, in. Yep, yep, yep. So and, yes. And you are the number one agent out of that brokerage. Yeah, it's me and another agent, kind of going back and forth. So, but he's been in the business for forty-two years. So I would be very fortunate. I would say I'm very fortunate to be able to scale to the level that I'm at in such a quick time frame because it's been a little over three years. So. And has that helped your investment side of the of your business too? Um, yes. Well, I think that kind of slowed it down a little bit just because I started primarily focusing on being an agent versus investing. So we weren't doing like the marketing and stuff. But I also have people that make connections and I go to people like if somebody's looking to sell quickly or if I get a referral from somebody, I can at least offer them a couple different scenarios. You know, I offer them, you know, here is what you could get if you listed it, here's what you could get if you sold it as is. Um, so I give them uh, several different scenarios and obviously I wanna represent them, whatever is going to be best for them. And most of the time that's netting the most amount of money. So most of the time they'll decide, you know, let's list it. We can get it sold quicker or, you know, we can get it sold for top dollar. Whereas the, on the, on the flip side, I've had a couple of people say, you know what, it's just too stressful. I don't want to clean up the house. And I have literally put in the contract, you know, I have to disclose that obviously I'm an agent and they know that when I go there, you know, cause I'm very transparent. I want them to know like, here's the couple different options that you have. We could buy this um, as cash as is close on your time frame, or we could put it on the, the market and you could net significantly more and so on and so forth. So now when you went to get your license, was it primarily for being able to capture commissions on deals that you couldn't buy or did it have anything to do with your investing or was it like kind of mutually exclusive? It, well, it was a little bit of both because I, I was selling homes. So we were using a realtor obviously, um, to help purchase with your flips. Yeah. Yep. yep. To help purchase and to sell. And I thought to myself, well, why would I be paying somebody else? Which again, I'm very fortunate that I made those connections, you know, and the agent that we worked with is a very good agent. Um, and I appreciate her greatly. She did a lot for us when we were doing that, but I thought you want to give her a shout out. Yeah. Trina Jeffrey. She's actually with capstone, um, in Columbus. So that was, she's a fantastic person and she, she did a, a really good job for us. Um, and so she, or, so when we were doing that, when we were, when I was going through that, I decided, you know, if I'm going to be paying somebody, why not just pay myself, which good and bad <laughs> when you're the seller and agents kind of dual agency, it's, it, it can be kind of a rocky area, but, um, eventually I want to be able to not list any of those of my own. Like I don't want to list my, my flips. I'd rather just hand it off to somebody else and then they take care of it. Cause there's just a lot of conflicting interest and could be some issues coming up, which we haven't really, we haven't had any, but I just know the liability when you are dual, a dual agent in addition to the seller. So, um, it's not ideal. Knowing what you know now, if you were starting over again as an investor, do you think it's beneficial or a detriment to have your real estate license? Good question. That is a good question. Um, I don't regret it because I love being an agent, but I think also I'm kind of going to the route that I kind of want to go more into the investing side of things too, more so like buy and holds and cash flow. Um, I think if you're gonna going to be doing the investing side 100% full force, then probably not. But there's a lot of benefits of you can get your license and then maybe not 
actively be buying and selling. You know, the nice thing about being an agent is one, you make those connections with other realtors as well. Um, you also, you know, people know you professionally in that sense. And then also, you know, you have access to the MLSs. So, I mean, there's a lot of expenses that come with being an agent. Um, it fits me well. I love it. And I don't regret it. Some people may not want that sort of sales side of things, but I think being the agent really has helped me educate myself on negotiations, um, networking, connections, all of that. So for me, it was what needed to happen. Have you ever gone on an appointment where you're getting ready to sign paperwork and and whoever is about ready to sign looks up at you suddenly and says, wait a minute, aren't you the one that burns down churches? <laughs> and then they tear no, up the I contract. Get out of my I, house. I chose not to do it. I chose not to burn it down. <laughs> yeah. No. So I think, and then like people kind of recognize me as an agent too. So most people are they know when I'm meeting with them that I'm also an agent, but then I think they can see that as a benefit though, too, because I can give you several different options, you know, like it's not just, here's my option take it or leave it. It's okay. Here's an option. Here's another option. Or you can do this option. Well, it makes it really hard to say no, because you're not really, you're just saying, Hey, you don't have to say no, just pick one. Yeah. Yeah. And the way I look at things in every situation that I want to enter has to be a win-win for everybody. Like I'm not going to take advantage of anybody. And if that's, if, I mean, so like a property that we're doing now, the individual, the seller was like, nope, I just, you know, this is what I want. I don't, I just want to walk away with basically break even. I don't want to clean my house up. I don't want to deal with people coming into the house because I live, I'm working out of town. I'm moving out of town. And I told her like three different times, I said, you realize that if you just clean up the house, we can list it at this price, which was significantly over. I literally had to put it in the contract because I'm like, I don't know why you wouldn't, but, um, because I wanted to be very transparent and I want it to be a win-win. She was more than excited, more than happy. She's loving watching the renovations and I've still stayed in contact with her. So, um, that's kind of, um, there, yeah, there's, there's pros and cons to being an agent and an investor at the same time. What does your portfolio look like now? Um, so we have two flips going on and then we have that Airbnb obviously. And then we just closed on a multifamily, which was our first multifamily. That was my goal for the end of the year for 2021. I have a goal sitting next to my desk on a sheet of paper with all of my goals listed. And, uh, I truly believe that if you don't, if you don't plan or if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So you really want to have a game plan of your goals and then like the the steps to get to reach those goals. Now, I'm not the most organized person, so I can't say I'm sure there's people out there who are much more organized with me or than me with step-by-step processes, but um I set those goals and I really strive to reach them and so that was one of my biggest goals was purchasing a multifamily. What uh what size of uh, property Eight. is it? 8 unit. 8 unit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, was that's in Columbus as well. Yes. All of your stuff is in Columbus. Yeah. Your flips, yeah. your flips too. Yeah. I want to kind of branch out of Columbus. So like, I, I do got a couple questions for you. <clears throat> okay. So where do you go from here? Like as of right now, you, you have a successful real estate company. Sounds like you have a pretty successful, um, investment company. You know, where are you in five to 10 years? Are you, are you a big time realtor? Are you a big time investor? Do you plan to kind of step away from one at one point? Yeah. Um, my broker would probably hate me if she's listening. (laughs) Um, I eventually I would like to, so right now I have like a buyer's assistant who helps me. So I have a virtual assistant who does all my cold calling. I have a marketing person who does all my marketing for me for, uh, as, as an agent. And then I have a buying assist or showing assistant who I, I pay to basically show my buyers these properties. So it really has helped me leverage not only my time, well, has helped me leverage my time because, um, I'm, I'm, 
kind of doing the same amount of transactions that I did. I'll be a little bit over what I did last year, but my, I have so much more freedom. Um, and I can be, I can't tell you the last time I went out on a showing in the evening, you know, so I'm home almost every night with my kids. And so that in itself is life changing. Um, ideally my, my game plan and my goal is to kind of step away, not step away from being an agent, but I want to get more systems. Yeah. More systems in place. Um, keep it going because I have built it and I have done a very good job in building it. So I don't want to just let it go. Um, and, and I really do know my, my stuff for the most part, especially for only being in the business for three years. So think people do come to me for my knowledge and education. Cause I'm constantly educating myself. Like I will travel anywhere and everywhere. I love doing that, but it's also about the, the knowledge and people, you know, kind of like you, you don't pay somebody necessarily for their time. It's more for their education and their knowledge and their experience um, and expertise. So that's kind of the way I see things. So I'm always educating myself. I think last year, my CE credits every two years as an agent, you have to have 18. I had 42. So <laughs> like I go above and beyond. I just love it. I, I just like geek out on it. So. You can do uh, training on my credits if you want. Oh, okay. Oh, can yeah. I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just, uh, yes, I am I'll, Ted Koch. I'll give you my login. You can just do training on it. We'll, we'll be good. But So my ultimate goal is to um, expand. I... I like to set crazy goals. I'm sure bigger pockets. I've listened to um, them for many, many years. But you know, they said just set huge goals that seem unattainable. Twenty five million dollars is what I want in volume for rentals. That's that's my goal within the next five years. Well, actually, that's actually it's three years. And then I have a whole thing. I have a whole list of my goals and then income and volume because it's not about the transactions, especially as an agent. It's about the volume. I want to get more volume with less transactions. You know, so. Now you mentioned uh, Renee Mueller. She's mm-hmm. your broker, right? Yep. And w- when you got into the business, did you have anyone that mentored you? Like, was did Renee do a little bit of that when you first started, or did you have anyone that you would maybe want to give a shout out to? Uh, that- I would definitely say Renee yep. for sure. Um, I knew going like I told her. I've I've told her this, but I when I talked to her and Darlene. Um, today is Darlene's birthday. She had passed away back in September. And, um, but today is her birthday. So huge shout out to Darlene and I love her dearly. Um, but her and Darlene, I met with them, um, when I was going through that, that training and I knew who I wanted to go with because she's been number one for the past 10 years at that time. And in order to be the best, you have to work with the best, not against them. And I didn't tell her at the time. Cause I just told her that I was going to be interviewing other agents and other brokers, you know, to kind of get a feel for who's going to be best for me. I already knew in my head who I was going to go to, but I had to obviously play that off. Um, so obviously I, you know, her and I, I feel like her and I have a lot of the same mindset and she always says, and a lot of people are always say that I remind her of a younger version of her. Everybody's always said that you remind me of a younger version of Renee, which is probably, I mean, it's a compliment, but she is a busy woman. Like I, I want to be very successful like her, but like half the time. <laughs> And I've always said that, like I'm putting systems and stuff into place in the meantime, while I'm building my career. Um, and that's a little bit easier than being on top and then trying to delegate systems and stuff at a later time. So, um, she was definitely my mentor. I followed her, I shadowed her. Um, and now I am able to return the favor for new agents onboarding with us in our office. How many agents are in your office? Uh, I think we have 16. So our office is, or 14. So our office is fairly small, especially with the amount of uh, volume that we do. You know, we have 70 some percent of market share in Columbus, but we're probably the, there's like four brokerages and we're the third biggest. So the second smallest for the most part, you know, so we do a lot of revenue and a lot of uh, volume for the size that we are. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Actually, 
last year, I think Ted, you were, yeah, yes, I gotta toot my own horn here because last year we had a competition on uh, the Omaha and Columbus offices on who had the most transactions and, and volume. Between the Columbus one and the Omaha one, the Columbus one won. Wow, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. And they impressive. had like fifty some agents or sixty some agents, and we had like twelve or fourteen. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So do you, yeah, do you remind uh, Jeff of that regularly? <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. for sure. They had to actually host a party for us, so they did a party bus, and we went down to the Omaha. Oh, that's it was cool. the whole thing. It was a lot of fun. I don't think you're going to hit that this year. No, <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, they might have uh, surpassed there's, there's us. There's a lot of growth happening right now. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. So. Well, hey, before we go on to the, the next segment, I have one last question. You you touched a little bit about creating systems to have work life balance. Mm-hmm. Like, how where is that balance for you guys? Like, I I know I heard you say that you don't do anything at nights, but I mean, mm-hmm. are, is there is there something that you and Adam are specifically doing to try to make sure that you have time for you have a big family mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's still something that we're working through, to be honest. And I know that we, we really struggled when I first started because I know, as everybody knows, agents are on their phone a lot mm-hmm. and almost annoyingly a lot. You do, know, you go your to kid, are your kids like, mom, are you on the, we put your phone down, please. No, they haven't. <laughs> honestly, fortunately, um, I really do try, but my husband will point it out to me more than I notice, I think. So I don't think I'm on it as much in the evenings as I probably am because I don't know. It's just a little bit different now that he's an agent. He just got his real estate license and started as an agent back in January of this year with Midwest Midwest Land Group, not with KWE. You didn't join your broker. No, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Not getting into it. I'm not going to force him to do something that he doesn't want to do because I don't want it to be my fault if he fails. Midwest Land Group. It's actually funny because Jeff Cohn and Brian, the owner of Midwest Land Group, are really really good friends. Which we didn't know that when he joined Midwest Land Group. And Midwest Land Group only accepts one out of like 70 uh, interviews for agents that they have. So he was very lucky. So anyway, but anyway, so he's a real estate agent, but he does land sales, and that was what he wanted to do. He's a big hunter, fisher, outdoorsman. So he wanted to go to a brokerage that specifies and specializes in those those sorts of things. Um, but it, yeah, so anyway, so he, he knows, he knows now like the importance of it, but at the same time, work-life balance is hard. I can tell you that, um, my kids go, have gone on many, many appointments. I've done listing appointments with my kids. Um, I have, to, I let my clients know like, Hey, I don't have anybody to watch my kids. I either have to, uh, reschedule or I'm going to have to bring them along with me. I've never had anybody say no. And I've probably done like three listing appointments because last or two years ago I had my, my third child. We got home on a Saturday and I was showing homes by Monday. And um, I remember, <laughs> yeah, and I, I brought her along, you know, so she was my sidekick for the first eight weeks until daycare could take her. And maybe this is a little bit too much information, but I was meeting with, <laughs> I know, but it's fine. I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I was meeting with clients and, you know, like she was new. So I was nursing and I was like, do you mind? Like, I'm sorry. She's fussy. Can, are you okay with that? Like, oh no, you're fine. So like, I really got to be really close to my clients and, (laughs) you know, so, um, but yeah, we were writing up an offer. And so she was just my sidekick for the first eight weeks, you know, and I still that year, I think I did 42 transactions. That was my first full year, my first full year. And I had started in August of 2018. I had 14 transactions by the end of that year. The next year I had 42 for that first full year and then 69 last year. And then this year it'll be about 75 ish somewhere in that area. Strong. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate. I love it. I love meeting people. I love networking, making these sorts of connections like you guys and you, I just met you last month for the most part. And I think we're like best friends. Oh, (laughs) That was the first time you guys met. Was that BBCon? Yeah. 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 Uh Awesome. Uh Uh-huh. So 
We're all about bringing good people together. Absolutely. That's right. Well, and then Andrea, you know, she was on your guys' podcast, and mm-hmm. I called her on the way down today, and I think I'm going to stop by her other business, you know, on the way out. So, I mean, the connections, I just, that is what I love about real estate, and that's what I fell in love with. Yeah, you, you know what's so cool? We've talked about this, but you know what's cool about going to, like, BPCon and those mm-hmm. uh, those type of conferences? Like, everybody you meet there is a real estate geek, right? Mm-hmm. So you can just start talking about it and they don't like roll their eyes or yeah. like, oh, Owen's talking about real estate again, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, And they're normal like, people. Like, yeah, they're every, normal everybody people. there. Yes. Yeah. It's like, like, oh, oh hey. God, your life is as messy as mine. This is awesome. Like, thank you so much. You know, and I was talking to my sister about it. Like, I'm like, once you get outside, because they're from Newman Grove, you know, teeny tiny town, everybody's very closed-minded, very simple-minded, you know? I'm like, you need to come with me to these conferences. I know you're not in real estate, whether you want to get into it or not, just come with me to these conferences because it's so life-changing. It is so amazing. And it, you realize how big the world is so much more than where you're at. And like some of the, there's so many, like when you come back, you realize how petty something, some things are. And you're like, really, you're stressed about that. You know, like life is so much bigger than what even Omaha is, you know? And I, and I've said, like, I feel like I'm even, I want to, I want to be bigger than Columbus. I want to be bigger than Omaha. I want to be bigger than Nebraska. And, um, so it's just interesting. I love the energy that comes from those conferences. Do you follow Shay's page on Facebook uh, or any of her posts? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Miracle Morning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it every day. Yeah, I was going to say, you've been posting the Miracle Morning, which uh, was keynote speaker at the PPCon, Hal yep. Elrod. Mm-hmm. And you've been posting nonstop. Like, yeah. You are like on a high on yeah. it right now, I'd have to say. Yeah. You know, you're, on, you're, you're straight geeked out on it. Yeah. And, sure. and then Hal Elrod posted on on there and is yeah. now following your youtube yes. channel right you want to shout out your He's youtube my channel 58th uh subscri- <laughs> subscriber <laughs> well, that says a lot that's awesome i have like yeah. nobody and you. i had like 20 as of last week or before I started this and now I'm up to like 58, but he's like my 58 sub- subscriber and he had commented on one of my, so if you want to follow me right now, it's Shaylin Spitz, KWLE Keller Williams. So is there like multiple changed. S's there? I know. So you're, you're gonna... <laughs> well, I was trying to think if it was Shay or Shaylin, <laughs> like, uh, I think it's Shaylin, but if it's not, so Shaylin is S H A L Y N N. It's not, it's Dennis. Can we put yeah. that in the notes? Awesome. He, he says it's going to be in there. Perfect. Yeah. So hit subscribe, follow me along. And I've had a lot of people reach. I bet since I'm not joking, since I started posting, I bet I've had 18 people purchase the book. They've been reaching out to me. I post on my Snapchat and they're like, this is so cool. Like my sister is one who has been like a hundred percent in and loves it. You should hit up Hal, which I'm, I'm guaranteed he'll do this mm-hmm. and ask for some, uh, the prepay for a group of books that are signed. Oh, and there he'll, you go. Um, cause I, I know David Green does this too. But you, he'll they'll sign all the books if you buy a big bulk, yeah, and they'll send them over to you, and then you can that'd be amazing. Then you can make it part of your a promo that you're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they're not purchasing it through me. I just tell them to go to Amazon or wherever. But yeah, I mean, I've I bet eight. I've had eighteen people reach out to me, and like randomly, they'll just send me a picture of the Miracle Morning book. I'm like, awesome! Like that makes me happy. Like that's what I kind of geek out on is seeing other people improving themselves because it's more important to work. It's hard. It's better to work on yourself than it is to work at your job, honestly. So I love it. Shay, with that being said, I think it's time that we get into our feeling <laughs> monotones. That's good. In this section, we are, we're going to talk about a deal or a situation that you dealt with. that didn't go according to plan. So if you can, you have something in mind? I have a lot. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> All right. Let's see. We'll pick a good one here. Mm-hmm. So first question is, how did you find this deal? Mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, so I'm going to go with two of them. One is our very first one that I kind of already touched on, and I found the deal by sending The massive one. <laughs> uh, direct mail campaign that you did. <laughs> yeah. the, the massive handwritten notes that I sent out. And yeah, the the one letter that I sent out. I say um, straight out of Colin Schwartz's playbook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that one, and then I would say the church is probably another failing forward for the most part. But um, I would say the biggest one would be our very first transaction. How much did this uh, property cost you? It was $80,000. I think we offered seventy five, and... W- we settled on 80 or 85, somewhere in that area. Yeah. And this was direct with the seller, right? Yes. So you you were negotiating directly with them and Correct. tried to come in a little bit lower. Yep. 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 And how did you fund it? Um, uh, Good question. So again, crazy kids. Um, we were able Credit to- Credit cards? <laughs> no. No. Those were no, all maxed no, out. Yeah, those were definitely maxed out. She's still out. paying <laughs> off the uh, fortune builders. Hey, in my defense, I was able to pay off all of those, all that debt um, one month after they expired. It was, a, it was a 12 month zero financing. So by month 13, so we only had to pay a little bit of interest at a high rate. Oh, that's but anyway, awesome. Um, so yeah, but, uh, how we financed it was we got a construction loan through the lender that we currently still work with. Like I said, he had a lot of faith or he just realized that we were just stupid. I'm not sure. And, uh, and then in addition to that, I had my grandparents, we did a presentation to my grandparents to fund a lot of the money as well. For, so private funding, we actually paid 10% interest on it at the time. Did you make a PowerPoint? Wow. PowerPoint presentation? Nope. I had like, but I did have sheets of paper. <laughs> sheets of paper. Yeah, I had paper because they're they're older, you know. So I think that they appreciate the paper form more than anything, and they're still private money lenders to this day. They love it. They love seeing the properties. They love just investing. Now we don't pay them as the ten percent anymore. I was say, but, they're kind of like yeah. loan sharks. Oh, look at these two kids. <laughs> We're going to teach them <laughs> a lesson. No, 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 no. Now they're eighteen percent simple interest <laughs> with no <laughs> points. That's right. <laughs> So, yeah, so we actually paid them 10% interest. In addition to, we did a HELOC loan out of our primary residence. So we took out about $30,000. So it's a little bit of everything. Again, crazy kids, but you learn a lot. So a combination of a regular mortgage, a construction loan? Nope. Construction loan. That was all wrapped in. So yep, the it was bank. Just, yep. It was just the construction loan, the private money lending, and then our HELOC. Wow. That's a triple combo. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive on the yeah. first deal. Yeah. Yeah, and I learned a lot, I tell you what. Now, when you look at that deal in particular, the first one, I know you said you made some money. What, mm-hmm. Looking back at it, what would you consider to be something that didn't go according to plan? Like what what, what was it <laughs> really? Just the whole process in general? <laughs> yeah. Doing it yourself, you mentioned yeah. that was probably a mistake mm-hmm. in hindsight. It was kind of enjoyable. I mean, it, we were super close. So like literally I walked two blocks to get there. Um, but again, we had two kids, two little ones. So it's not like my husband and I could be there. And it's not like we had money to be able to pay for a babysitter for, so both of us could be over there. So he would be there till like 11 o'clock at night. Cause he did a lot of the electrical cause he was the contractor. Um, we found a, actually it's kind of a small, small world, but I actually purchased a two car garage from Renee. Didn't know Renee at the time, um, that we had move onto that property. Cause it was just a dinky little shed that we had somebody come and take. So we purchased another one. I negotiated for a thousand dollars on this two huge 30 by 30 two car detached garage. Cause she just needed it moved off of her property. Well, I didn't realize who she was until I got into real estate or as an agent. So it's just kind of funny, but anyway, how did you move that Schreiber, uh, Scribs. It's a moving company. We, they, we paid like 
three, four, five thousand dollars for them to move it from Columbus to Humphrey. That is not a small garage. No, it was huge. Thirty. I think it was twenty four by thirty, but it's a big garage. Yeah, no, we we paid somebody to move it. So um, we ended up we had like five thousand dollars wrapped up into just moving this uh, two two car garage, and it was a really nice one. Now, did you have to have, like pour a foundation for yeah. it and everything? Yeah. Too? Okay. I mean, so I think all in there. all. All in all, I think it cost us like right around 18000 but we saved, I mean, because we priced them and it was like 30000 if we would have done it from scratch. So we saved a lot of money with it. But um, so there was just a lot of things that we did ourselves that um, was a huge learning process. The financing was tricky as well because I'm paying just interest to the private money lenders. I'm also having to pay the interest on the HELOC. I'm also paying interest and making those payments, making sure people are signing these lien waivers when we get them paid off, the contractors to send it to the the lender. So it was a nightmare, a CPA's nightmare for the most part. So, um, do you make people sign lien waivers? We don't anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. No, I've never done that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, like, should I be doing that? (laughs) Have you ever done a construction loan though? Yes. Oh, you have? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was just our first one. So the the lender didn't know who I was and just wanted to make sure that they trusted me and knew that things were getting paid off, you know, but now we don't have to on any of ours. They just submit it and I just, they see it come through and they just advance the credit where before they obviously wanted to make sure that these young, young, dumb and whatever were, uh. Sending the right information and getting contractors to sign. Now, on the garage thing, I'm still stuck on this, but <laughs> do you think so? It costs 18 grand basically mm-hmm. by the time it's, you're all in with the mm-hmm. foundation, moving it, um, and Electrical, all that. siding, roof, yep. Do you think, knowing what you know now and in, in knowing the real estate market as well as you do, do you think you could have just sold that house without the garage and made as much money? Um, I, so the way I kind of see things now is like, if I'm going to be sticking a dollar into it, I need to make at least a dollar 50 to $2 back. You know, that's the way I kind of want it to go for the most part. I don't think we made like a dollar 50 on our, you know, our return wasn't there, but I think it, I don't think, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say because people wouldn't have bought it. We live in Nebraska. People want a garage. You you might've eliminated 75% of your buyer pool mm-hmm. by not having that. Yeah. So it's hard. It is hard to quantify that, but it it's is. always one of those things. It's like, what, is it worth mm-hmm. building a garage? There's space mm-hmm. there. Yeah. I've kicked that around. I've never actually constructed one yeah. uh, or whether there wasn't one, but I mean, I've always it, wondered that. It depends on your price point though, too. I mean, we were in the uh, lower to mid 20 or two hundreds, you know? So, I mean, if we had, if it was like the mid one hundreds, then no, I probably wouldn't have. That makes sense. You yeah. Know? You, you so expect, on, yeah. you expect to have a garage if you're yeah. paying over 200 grand for yeah. a house. That's kind of yeah. like if you're doing a renovation and it's going to be like a 350, 400 or higher property and you're putting in new countertops, you want quartz or granite. You're sure. not going to put in laminate, you know, because it just depends on, and if you put quartz or granite into a $150,000 house, that's a waste of money. Like that's not necessary. It's really not. So so when it's all said and done, what did, what was the big key takeaway? What what did you learn from this? How did you fail forward? Um, just being a lot more organized um, before just jumping into because we got really excited as our first investment that we didn't really have any structure. We didn't have a scope of work. You know, we were just like, hey, here contractor, like let's do this. You know, and our budget was way over. We ended up going way over budget. Um, so my fail forward is having things in place. And I'm still working on that to this day. Like I'm still figure trying to figure out because a lot of times, honestly, you get to buying and selling and I forget to transfer utilities. Have you guys ever done that? Never. 
not, like, this, not this week yet, anyway. Like, I, so many times. Oh, I, I, I forget. Yeah. It's, like, it's, just it's, a, been, it's been warm in here. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that's like, it's just small things like that. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, I got to figure something out. But I would say just being more structured and having things in place before just diving in. So right before the uh, David Bader uh, podcast, we we show up here and there was no no heat and no water. <laughs> no water. <laughs> did you forget to switch utilities? It, it, it's deeper. And, it's not? deeper than that. But <laughs> we paid twenty four hundred dollars out to the met the local utility district in thirty days. Oh <laughs> wow! I feel like I did everything right, but no. Good times. <laughs> yeah. So good. I'm glad I'm not the only one who so flops ha- on that. It happens. It happens. Yes. We're almost out of time. Let's get into the OT with Owen and Ted. I like it. In this <laughs> section, we're going to throw some rapid fire questions at you, Ted okay. and I are. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's hear what you got. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Bring All it right. On. Let's do this. How were you able to change your mindset to get started in investing? Podcasts and books. I would say more so podcasts. I'm not a huge reader. Podcasts. What is your passion or hobbies that you have? Networking, traveling, connecting. Um, as as sad as I think real estate's my hobby, I don't really do like other things. But I've I've golfed. I'm not good at it, but awesome. Yeah. What is your favorite podcast or podcasts? Um, I would say uh, Bigger Pockets. Well, now the Ria, of course, you know. But Bigger Pockets was a big thing that I've done for the past several years. But I love motivational uh, podcasts, such as like Jim Rohn. He's got some of them. I, there's another one that's motivation. So anything to do with motivation for sure. What is one book you would suggest to a new investor or an established investor that's getting over that hump? That hump could be getting their first investment property or getting their first multifamily or jumping into something new. Well, I'm this really doesn't even have anything to do with investing, but I'm going to go back to the miracle morning. Like I am, I, as you guys know that I absolutely love it. And if you are not working on yourself, how do you work on your business? How do you work and grow as a business if you can't grow as an individual? So I think the very first and foremost important thing, because I see a lot of people like my, my sister, for example, I talk about her a lot. Her name is Sheena Banks. Sheena, I love you. Um, but she is a very successful person and she owns her own trucking business. She has a dog boarding business. She, they have a tree service business and she's even like, she got into this book and she's like, Shay, this is like crazy. This is life changing. And I realized that I do need to start focusing more on myself. And I think that'll help her grow her business even more. So I'm going to say the miracle morning, even though it's not specifically business related. You know, the thing about putting out content, like you, you know, you've committed basically to posting that stuff daily, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty much every day. And, uh, it, we, we've talked about this before, Ted, but it's like, you kind of put stuff out there and you, you're like, okay, nothing happened. You know what I mean? Like, you don't, nothing like concrete actually happens mm-hmm. to where you, you know, you don't get awards or badges or, you know, yeah. points or whatever. It's just yeah. like you put it out there and nothing happens, but you mm-hmm. never know who you're going to affect yeah. with some little thing that they mm-hmm. took away from your, your mm-hmm. stuff. So mm-hmm. I think if you believe in it and it's making a huge impact on your life, odds yeah. are it's going to help many other people. You just yeah. don't always know who it is. I agree. And I have a lot of people like I, I take pictures of like quotes through the book and people will screenshot my Snapchat. So I'm like, oh my gosh, that person screenshotted it. You know, it's just like, oh, it's interesting. So maybe they're going to want to start lear- learning and focusing on themselves too. So I, I agree. And that's what I, I enjoy and I love about it. Awesome. And I think consistency is also a big part of that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can post something one time and it could be really, you know, impactful, but mm-hmm. if you're not following it up and being consistent with it the way you are, mm-hmm. you mean mm-hmm. maybe 
maybe that first time was impactful, but the fact that you've doing it over and over and over mm-hmm. again, kind of like you always posting these workout videos, mm-hmm. you know, anybody could just post a workout, but Hey, I made it to the gym today. <laughs> but when you're posting for three, four months, your consistent yeah. workouts and you're in the mindsets that you're putting behind those workouts, mm-hmm. I think that people are really turned on and inspired by that action. Yeah. You and know, when I was doing that, I had a lot of people, so many people reach out like, oh, you've motivated me to finally start attending the gym that I've been paying for the, for the past three years. <laughs> or, um, you know, they'll, they'll ask me questions on, you know, what workouts they should do if they're just starting out. So, I mean, that has helped people. And I don't, I don't do it for me. It, it, it I do it because I have such a, um, like reach out from other people. In addition to it helps hold me accountable when other people are kind of relying on that. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to get up this morning, but now I have to because people are relying on me. <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna get called out. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, nine exactly. a.m. We're yep. we're at your radio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, how can our listeners support you, and what's the best way to reach you? Uh, well, you can go onto my Facebook page, Shaylin Spitz, KW Elite, uh, Keller Williams. Same with my YouTube channel. Subscribe to that if you're looking for some motivational. Learn about my Miracle Morning. I kind of talk about um, what I've been doing, and then just encouraging other people to do it for themselves as well. But I'm also on Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, any of those social media platforms. There's a lot. You're know. everywhere. Oh my God. Omnipresent. It's overwhelming. <laughs> Snapchat. Is there a mentor that, uh, if there's one specific person or mentor in your life that you'd like to give a shout out to? Uh huh. So I'm still going to go back to Renee Mueller. She's okay. been a, a huge impact on my career, myself as an individual. Um, I feel like I've kind of broken away from her a little bit just because she's busy doing her thing. I'm busy doing mine. You know, everybody kind of gets wrapped up in their own little world. But I also am actually uh, being coached by Gary uh, Carpenter. And he's done a fantastic job for me over the past year or so. And he's helped give me like little uh, tidbits of pointers when it comes to me as an agent. Um, And I've really enjoyed getting to know him too. So he's been very uh, beneficial and crucial to my success as well. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been awesome hearing about your success story where you're taking things in life. I'm pumped. I, I want to go out and do some push-ups or something right after this. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not. It's kind of cold. <laughs> it, it is. You can do it out here. Well, that's true. Inside. Floors, it doesn't have to be outside. The floors aren't lacquered yet. Next week I will. How about that? <laughs> Two weeks. It's, it's, <laughs> Shay, it's been a privilege to get to know you. Um, you know, I met you first couple years ago on a real estate transaction, and then that has progressed from working in a brokerage with you and then uh, you getting involved with the RIA, uh, mm-hmm. trying to get you to do a Columbus RIA. Um, and then ex- he's not going to let that go. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> and then uh, and then expanding to going to the BP Con, where, you know, we really got to get, get to know you deeper mm-hmm. level and finding out about your investments and your and your family. Um, it's just um, I think there's going to be a lot of people inspired by you. They already are inspired by what you're doing. I mean, heck, you, you inspired Hal- Elrod of all people. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm super excited to follow you, see where you're going to go. And I, I think that when we revisit these conversations in the next year mm-hmm. plus, I think that we're going to say, man, look where I was then and look where I am now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's super awesome. Hey guys, before we wrap up, just want to do a big thank you for all the positive feedback we're getting on the podcast. One review that we got was the title is must listen. If you listen to Bigger Pockets, then you will enjoy listening to this podcast. These guys pack good info into a show and make it fun. Love these guys. I want to know who left that one. So uh, if you love if you love what you hear, please leave us a review. Write write it up on there, and we will read it on the next show. Uh, we appreciate the feedback. We appreciate everything you're doing for us. 
And uh, I think we're only going to get bigger from this point. So thank you so much. And with that, Owen, can you see us out? On behalf of Ted Kosh, I'm Owen Dashner. And you've been listening to Shea, I Don't Burn Churches Down Spits. Signing off. <laughs>